Hello and welcome to the Weight of Freight August Freight Podcast, where we will discuss developments in the commodity market and their relationship with the shipping sector. My name is Vivian Gu, August Freight Reporter for Middle East Gulf and the Asia Pacific Market. I'm joined here by Stephanos, Commercial Director at Macquarie Service. Hi, Stephanos. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Vivian. Nice to be here with you. Good. The last time you were with us, we discussed the trends in Atlantic Basin product market. Today, we're happy to have you again to talk about the trends in the East of Swiss products tanker market. Before we begin, let me start off with a quick introduction of the current market thing. The global pandemic has not only affected the West of Swiss market, but has also significantly impacted the East of Swiss market. The recent spike COVID-19 cases in India has led to increased exports following weaker domestic demand. Export volumes shipped by tankers reached the peak of this year on the second week of May, according to data from oil analytic firm Vertexa. According to Indian state-controlled refiners, India's fuel demand could fall by 40% from pre-pandemic levels in the next few months if the lockdown extended. Meanwhile, inventory levels for products are rising. Maintenance for refineries had to be postponed owing to a lack of manpower. Refineries have cut run rates instead. IOC, the country's biggest refiner, had to cut its throughputs to 85 to 88 percent of capacity from almost 90 percent. State-run Chennai Petroleum has reduced runs to less than 90 percent at its 210 thousand barrels per day Tamil Nadu refinery. MRPL will keep a 60,000 barrels per day crude distillation unit and its 300,000 barrels per day Mangalore refinery closed until demand revives. BPCL has cut runs at its 240,000 barrels per day Mumbai and 310,000 barrels per day Kuching refineries by around 10% this month. The sustained COVID-19 outbreaks has also caused concerns amongst ship owners, with some indicating their reluctance to call at Indian ports for some short-haul trips due to the tightening crew change policies in other Asia-Pacific countries. All these changes left uncertainty for the tanker freight markets in the near term as the market is in the process of the adjustments. While not particularly prevalent on the clean tanker market, this has created two-tiered market for dirty and the dry-bulk markets. While in the long term, what, with the closure plan of older refineries and the launch of new refineries in the east of Swiss region, the oil trade flow will change together with the fluctuation of tanker freight. In the Middle East Gulf, Aranco's 400,000 barrels per day refinery at the GCN started operation in the first quarter, and the Kuwait's 650,000 barrels per day Elzo refinery will lift the Kuwait's total refinery capacity to 1.415 million barrels per day from around 800,000 barrels per day now once it is on stream. Stephanos, what do you think is the impact of the increased refinery capacity in the Middle East Gulf? 
Thank you, Vivian. And for the clean tra- transportation markets, uh, the additional refinery capacity is and will continue to be, uh, we think, a welcome development over the medium term. As you mentioned, uh, we do have several rather large startups occurring, and these uh, will significantly lengthen product balances in the Middle East. According to recent data from uh, partners that we have, including JBC Energy and also data from the IEA, uh, we note that CDU capacity is projected to reach uh, about 11 million barrels a day in the Middle East, which at a base case level is estimated to run at about 75% utilization. So as a result of this increasing capacity and increasing throughput, uh, distillate supply from the Middle East refining complex, uh, we expect to grow by approximately 200,000 barrels a day uh, over the short term, including both gas, oil, and jet fuel, uh, for which we think about 50% of that will be exported as underlying demand in the region grows by only half the amount. Um, At the same time, uh, we do note that yields uh, from the refineries in the Middle East appear to be shifting uh, slightly away from NAFTA, uh, while underlying regional demand for gasoline is showing stronger growth trends relative to distillates. Uh, While we do see the length growing in the light ends, uh, it is likely to be at a more temporized pace, which is very interesting as it relates to how Asian NAFTA demand will be satisfied over the medium term. Uh, We think the implication for tankers is positive as it relates to ton miles uh, with the excess gas oil flow uh, from the Middle East going primarily to Europe on LR2s, while any of the excess naphtha will continue transiting to the Far East primarily on the LR2 tanker, but also with a presence on the LR1. Uh, We also believe that there will be an emerging trade uh, from the Middle East, uh, likely benefiting LR1 tankers for gasoline. Uh, We think this will flow into the Southeast Asian market where our expectations show a widening deficit of gasoline uh, in in the Southeast Asia region. So to put just some context around these views, uh, we expect the LR2 trade between Middle East and Europe to expand by approximately 11.5% per annum over the medium term, while the benchmark TC1 NAFTA trade to Asia will grow by approximately 5.4% per annum. Thanks. Now, how about NAFTA? Look at the trade. South Korea and Japan are the major importers of the products in Asia. We've recently seen an increase of volumes to South Korea following higher run rates in April and the two uprunning refineries in Yusu. GS Caltech's new mixed feed crackers at Yusu with 700,000 tons per year of the Eastling and 350,000 tons years of Propylene's production capacity is due to startup in June. The cracker will use LPG naphtha and the refinery of gases as feedstock. LG Chem also bought June and July delivery cargoes ahead of the planned startup of its third crackers with the 800,000 ton per year of ethylene capacity and 800,000 ton per year of fully integrated PE capacity. In line with this development, August Freight will be launching a Mid-East Gulf to South Korea assessment, which shall come alive 7th June. Besides the, the Middle-East Gulf, which is the major supply region, west of Suez could also be the source where arbitrage is open coupled with lower freight rates. In April, arbitrage arrivals from west of Suez which excludes its cargoes from the Middle East Gulf, are estimated at around 1.9 million tons to over 2 million tons for May, up from 1.68 million tons in April. So, Stephanos, 
would you like to share your view on the changes of NAFTA trade flow in the Asia-Pacific and its impacts in shipping? Well, thank you very much for the question. Um, you know, the whole uh, structure around NAFTA is very, very interesting, uh, both today, but also uh, over the medium term. Uh, definitely the petrochemical sector is one of the brighter spots for underlying oil demand. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, LPG uh, will definitely compete uh, for feedstock requirements, uh, but NAFTA will uh, certainly play a role going forward. So, it, you know, generally speaking, on a structural basis, we see the Far East and Southeast Asian NAFTA deficit expanding by a fairly sizable amount. Uh, if we use 2021 as a baseline, whereby the deficit is estimated to be approximately 1.7 million barrels a day, uh, we expect this to widen by approximately 250,000 barrels a day by 2023 and not stop there if we look further out uh, the term. Uh, this development, of course, will require more imports, uh, which we mentioned to some degree can be satisfied by a moderate amount of additional length from the Middle East. However, we note that this length will only equate to about 50 to 75,000 barrels a day. So this analysis raises an interesting question uh, as it relates to trade flows and the implication for LR tankers. When looking at the various regions around the world, uh, we found actually that the west of Suez will be called on more to satisfy the Asian thirst for NAFTA. Uh, these regions include the U.S. Gulf, uh, along with uh, mostly uh, southern Europe, where we see continued efforts uh, to reduce reliance on traditional petroleum products. So the implication for LRs is once again positive in our view as the longer distance, which will be required to transport NAFTA to Asia, will add significant ton miles for these segments. Additionally, as we mentioned earlier, the anticipated growth of LR flows from the Middle East to Europe, uh, these same tankers will be increasingly utilized for west to east NAFTA shipments, which of course increases utilization rates and enhances the earnings on these tankers. Overall, we expect the west to east NAFTA trade to grow between 4% and 8% per annum, depending on the vessel segment and load region. But overall, it's a very healthy expansion for clean tanker ton miles. Uh, one additional comment on the west of Suez NAFTA supply, we also uh, want to talk a little bit about West Africa with a new mega refinery coming online. And there we see some possibility for additional uh, NAFTA length to emerge, uh, probably flowing into Europe uh, on MRs. But there it just continues to increase the amount of supply that can be uh, aggregated and shipped uh, to the Asian market. So, you know, overall, we're very interested in this segment. Uh, we think there are a lot of dynamics here that favor uh, expansion of ton miles for uh, both the LRs, but uh, and to some degree, the MRs as well. Thanks. Uh, we talked about the exciting new launch projects in both Middle East and North Asia. Meanwhile, there are also some changes in Australian and the New Zealand refineries, but le it leans in another direction. In New Zealand, refining NZ's 135,000 barrels per day's Madsen's Point refinery is considering converting to an import terminal by next year. In Australia, BP already closed its 146,000 barrels per day's Quinona refineries in Perth at the end of March. ExxonMobil plans to close its 90,000 barrels per day's Alona's refinery in Melbourne in the coming months. Ampo just announced that it will keep open the 109,000 barrels per day Linton refinery in Brisbane after the Australian federal government increased the amount of state subsidies for at least another six years by pledging to partly fund any plant upgrades. 
how do you view the impact on the region's demand and the supply? Yeah, uh, certainly um, w- one part of the world that uh, is facing some challenges in terms of its refinery capacity. Uh, we've seen historically uh, some closures in the region, but uh, over the last year or so, we've uh, come to know that several more will, uh, as you mentioned, uh, either close or convert into uh, terminals. And so there's been a lot of interest and positive sentiment from clean tanker owners uh, because of these developments, meaning the refinery closures conversions in Australia and New Zealand, and and they are not misplaced. Uh, To put it into context, the refinery capacity in this region will settle approximately 250,000 barrels a day by 2022, which is about 60% lower than where it was in 2019. So not surprisingly, this will lead to a substantial amount of import requirements as product demand grows in the region, albeit more gradually, uh, but more relevantly, product supply diminishes. So we see two products, uh, jet fuel and gasoline, substantially requiring more imports. And to match that need, it is projected that places like the Far East, particularly for distillates and the Middle East for gasoline, uh, will need to step in and balance out the equation. We can also see some additional flows from the Indian subcontinent. The projected growth in imports for refined products into Southeast Asia, uh, um, excuse me, the projected uh, growth in imports for refined products into Australia and New Zealand will be approximately 100,000 barrels a day in 2022. So if we assume that the mix uh, of tankers for these voyages is 70% for MRs and 30% for LR1s, you're looking at you know approximately 10 additional shipments uh, per month. So overall, definitely uh, a, a boon for clean tanker demand. In addition to the trends uh, that we outlined for the Australia New Zealand, we are also very interested in the Southeast Asian market. Over the last few years, there have been uh, several large refineries brought online in the region, but the next few years, we do not see the same development. Uh, This is also interesting from a clean tanker perspective because Southeast Asia, as we all know, is a very high growth emerging market where oil demand is anticipated to grow uh, by about 250,000 barrels a day per annum and supply growth will be well below that. So this development supports the call for additional product tanker demand into Southeast Asia, um, as we highlighted earlier from places like the Middle East for products such as gasoline, but even higher demand for gas oil cargoes out of the Far East to the region as the Asian complex continues to shift its demand away from gas oil, uh, particularly in the Far East, to lighter end products like gasoline. So there is no question uh, in our minds that the east of Suez will be a high growth area for clean tankers, uh, as you can imagine with all these structural developments. We also noticed the recent increased import volume to South Africa due to the closure of Astros Energy's 100,000 barrels per day Cape Town refinery and Angus Durban refinery, which is expected to be converted to an import terminal. Besides South Africa, do you see any factors which could influence the trade flow in Africa? Uh, yeah, uh, there's there's going to be a few, and it's uh, almost a tale of two coasts uh, in Africa. As you mentioned, the closures uh, or conversions of South African refinery capacity will also add to clean tanker demand. Uh, we are more constructive on these requirements being met by the Middle East. Uh, when we look at East Africa, the trade between the Middle East and this region, the MRs, has been uh, truly impressive. Uh, and we forecast it will continue to grow by 11% per year through the end of our forecast period, which is 2025. However, if you go to the other side of Africa, meaning West, uh, a significant change will be occurring that will impact both clean tankers, but also crude, uh, which for the latter we can discuss another time. 
Uh, for the clean side, the introduction of the Dangota refinery with its uh, estimated 650,000 barrel day capacity will truly act as a disruptor to clean tanker flows from Europe primarily into the region. So the news is not all positive for clean tanker owners, although at the margin it tilts that way. To put it into context, we expect that gasoline imports into West Africa will fall by about 200,000 barrels a day between 2023 and a baseline 2021 as the refinery gets up to full utilization. Uh, this will be the primary casualty, although we do see some demand side reduction in gas oil flows as well. Uh, the impact will be felt on MRs and LR1s requiring these tankers to seek alternative opportunities for cargoes. On that note, our view is that we will see a bit of a rotation uh, of these tankers into other markets where growth is occurring, such as the east of Suez, given the positive de demand dynamics that we are discussing here today. But we also see some of these uh, tankers transitioning and heading into the U.S. Gulf region. That's a good news, bad news story, as we see high growth of U.S. Gulf exports into South America, primarily Brazil. So there will be room to accommodate the additional supply. However, a transition of LR1s into the region uh, would cannibalize some of the traditional MR demand. Finally, while the balance of dynamics uh, for West Africa point to uh, reductions in, in ton miles, we do, uh, as we mentioned earlier, note that NAFTA supply will uh, exceed the demand in the region, and this would increase the amount of product exports. And we think this will be uh, really an MR2 and perhaps a handy-sized trade with the destination most likely being the Mediterranean, uh, as we mentioned earlier, where we see aggregation of NAFTA for shipment into the Asian market on LRs offering economies of scale. Okay, let us move to the ship side now. So in terms of the supply of the tonnage, would you like to share your overviews of it? Um, yes, uh, absolutely. I think it's important to uh, not forget about the other variable, which is supply. We've done, a, I think, a good job, uh, you know, trying to flesh out all the demand dynamics and how they will impact ton miles. Uh, but of course, the supply side is also going to be important to understand uh, in terms of the forward looking freight structure. Um, so where do we see here? Um, we definitely see demand growing by four to five percent per annum on a ton mile demand basis. And if we look to the supply side, uh, it, the order book for clean tankers has been trending lower in recent years. And if you look at 2022 deliveries, they are expected to be the lowest in decades uh, for clean tankers. As it stands today, the order book for LR2 tankers is a modest five percent while the LR1 is near 0%. Even in the MR segments, we see below average order book figures with the preferred IMO23 design estimated at 11%, while the traditional pump room design is only at 2%. However, we do wanna note there is a growing possibility that LRs, which have been used for dirty trading, could convert back to clean, albeit at a sizable cleanup cost, which could exceed a million dollars on an all-in basis. Uh, the incentive to do this would be predicated very much on the delta between clean and dirty Aframax earnings, which, given our balance of supply and demand fundamentals, appears to be there over the next 12 months. So, in fact, we do see some LR2s uh, converting over, but we, we actually estimate only about four on a net basis will we'll do that conversion from dirty to clean. Uh, so from an earnings perspective, when you match the uh, what we think is robust demand side expectations, along with uh, more temporized supply side expectations, it leads to an increase in utilization. And in our models, that leads to higher freight uh, and also higher earnings. So for the LR2s on an eco design basis, we could easily uh, see the TCE or the time charter equivalent figures for spot market trades exceeding $20,000 a day in 22 and actually approach $30,000 a day in 2023. 
for the LR1, we believe that this tanker is significantly underappreciated by the market given its projected utility. Uh, there are very few orders for this tanker, mostly because owners have not been convinced that this tanker has a home to call its own in terms of trading. Uh, we expect this to change, particularly for the Far East and Middle East trade with Southeast Asia, where we find that the LR1's versatility, uh, because of its design to call on various ports, uh, actually could become a, a staple trade for this tanker segment. So we project earnings for this asset to be very near $20,000 a day in 2022. On the MR side, earnings are predicated less on round-trip economics, but more so on triangulation, given their versatility. Uh, on this basis, we think earnings for MR2s will be about $17,500 a day in 2022 and then exceed $20,000 a day in 2023. So in closing from our side, uh, we're very constructive on clean tanker segments going into the second half of this year, but more so for the 22-23 timeframe, which of course is based on what we see today in terms of fundamentals. Uh, but as you all uh, you know, in, in the audience should know, shipping, particularly wet bulk, uh, has uh, definitely been subject to a lot of geopolitical and external factors that very easily introduce volatility in a short amount of time. But of course, that's something that uh, at the moment we, we can't predict, but it's something to always keep in mind. All right. Thanks very much for that, Stephanos. And thank you all for listening our podcast episode today. Details on Argus Freight Service can be found on our Argus Media website, our daily assessments and market comments can be found on the Argus Freight Report, and additional content on freight can be found on Argus Weight of Freight site. Thank you all once again.